here again. This is Series 3, Episode 11, a case I've been following for the past couple of weeks. The case finished today in court, and I'm putting it out on a podcast today. More revelations may follow later, but this is the story of how a married policeman killed his lover of 10 years by accident as she sent a text to his wife informing her of their affair. I haven't come up with a snappy title yet. Um, My first idea was Policeman Tim Bremer kills his lover Claire Perry in a car park by accident. Well, Timothy Bremer lived in Woodcock Lane, Hordle, a village ideally placed a few miles from Unsport coastline with miles of deserted beaches at Hordle Cliffs on the edge of the New Forest in Hampshire. It's close to the beautiful market town of Lymington and five miles from Brockenhurst with the direct trains to London. It would be difficult to think of a more ideal place to live in England. Bremer said that he was married to a wonderful woman, Martha, who was also a police officer working for Bournemouth CID. He had a nine-year-old son. Bremer had an interesting job. He even had an enjoyable 12-mile commute to work on a country route, missing any traffic jams. Bremer joined the police in 2003, first working in Bournemouth as a beat officer before joining the Road Traffic Policing Unit in 2010. 2015, he suffered a serious thumb injury after being assaulted by a 56-year-old motorist that he pulled over. This prevented him from driving. After some time off work, he was seconded to the National Police Air Service, the MPAS, and became part of the police helicopter crew, operating the camera and assisting with navigation. He was based at Bournemouth Airport. He was never a pilot, but would alternate between camera work in the helicopters or reading maps. Bremner was said to have the perfect life. He had a slight streak of arrogance. He was born in Zimbabwe and raised by his mother and stepfather in Hampshire. He was well liked at his job, which helped him to hide a multitude of sins and meant bosses often turned a blind eye to his womanising. Yes, Bremer was a sexual adulterer. He was known by his colleagues in the force as a sexual predator who preyed on vulnerable emergency working women. A source within the Dorset Police Force told how the well-spoken Bremer had a reputation at work as a ladies' man. He had managed to charm a number of lovers from within his own unit. He was said to groom women in order to have an affair with them. He said that this was the exciting commitment-free sex that was separate from his marriage, although he made the women that he groomed think that they were the special ones for him. Bremner implied that his affairs were little bubbles of niceness, where you didn't have to worry about your vulnerabilities. You didn't have to talk about the bad stuff. They're affairs. It's what you have affairs for. Commitment-free fun. Bremer had met his wife, Martha, in 2003, and the couple married three years later. A trial started on Tuesday the 13th of October 2020 at Salisbury Crown Court in Wiltshire. Police Constable Tim Bremer was accused of strangling nurse Claire Perry, a mother of two, in his car in Bournemouth, Dorset, after she threatened to reveal her, their affair to his wife. The murder took place at the Horns Inn public car park in West Parley, Bournemouth, on May the 9th, 2020. 
On that day, Parry had insisted that Bremer meet up with her and explain why he had lied to her over the years about their relationship being special after she discovered that he had other women as lovers. There was a confrontation in mid-afternoon in the public car park, which resulted in Parry losing her life. Bremer denied murder, but admitted manslaughter. Richard Smith was the QC, Queen's Counsel, who was prosecuting Barrister, and he laid the case out to the jury on the first day of the trial that was expected to last two weeks. Bremer had been having an affair with Claire Perry for ten years. The pair met at the public car park and had an argument after Perry realised that her affair and her marriage were both failing, and she realised that Bremer had been seeing other women. Bremer said that he didn't deliberately strangle Mrs Perry. He claimed that he was robustly trying to get her out of the car after an argument. The prosecution say that Bremer actually did was to angrily take Miss Perry around the neck and strangle her to death. A case of murder, not manslaughter. Bremer said that he realised that he went too far in pushing and pulling Claire Perry, Perry in an attempt to move her from his car after she texted his wife telling her of the affair. The hyoid bone in Parry's neck had been broken and she died of a brain injury, which was caused by the use of significant force. Bremer stabbed himself in the arm. He explained that it was a bid to get Parry's attention and to stop her texting his wife and telling her of their affair. After realising that the text had been sent, Bremer claimed that he wanted Parry out of the car so he could kill himself. Bremer contradicted this on July the 13th while in prison on remand in Exeter prison. Bremer had told a trainee prison officer that Claire Parry was trying to get out of the car and Bremer admitted that he'd stopped her by putting his arm around her neck and pulling her back. Bremer said that Parry wanted to tell his wife about the affair, but Bremer thought that it was more appropriate if he told her. Bremer claimed that he left, left Parry half in and half out of the car as he thought that she was catching her breath after a struggle between them both. 24 minutes after the text was sent, Bremer walked into the car park entrance and told a member of the public that Parry had stabbed him. It was the next day while in hospital that he admitted that he'd stabbed himself. Mr Smith for the prosecution said that Bremer was a man who was trying to minimise his responsibility for Mrs Parry's death. Smith said that in his anger, Bremer was not trying to get Parry out of the car, but trying to cause a very serious injury or death as he was trying to destroy, she was trying to destroy his perfect life. The first witness called was the murdered woman's husband, Andy Parry, Andrew Parry, who was also a police officer in Dorset. Andrew Parry described how he met his wife when she was 29 years of age, while they were both working at Royal Bournemouth Hospital. They had two children, born in, one born in 2011, the other in 2014. During this time, Claire Parry was also continuing her affair with Bremer, who she had been seeing before she met her husband. Timothy Bremer was married when he started his affair with Claire Parry. Bremer said the affair was on and off. When they were having babies, the affair stopped for periods of time. Andrew Parry described to the court the personality of his wife, Claire. He said that before he met his wife, she had a relationship with Bremer, while neither of them were single, 
when the affair started. Claire Parry kept part of her life discreet from her husband. For example, he did not have a bank card or to access their joint bank account. Claire could be easily upset and she had self-harmed in the past. She worried about her life. She struggled with finances and be could quite be quite chaotic in regard to her private life. Claire worked at Bournemouth Hospital and before this at Holdenhurst Medical Centre in Bournemouth. Mr Parry thought that his wife wasn't always being truthful with him when she was working shifts at work. He followed his wife and discovered that she was not at work. Claire tried to give an excuse to her husband, but he was suspicious as he found receipts for hotels and Valentine's Day cards in other suspicious material. On the 23rd of February 2020, Mr Parry said that he had enough as he suspected that he was seeing, or she was seeing, someone else and he suspected that it was Bremer. He told Claire that he was going to leave her. On that day, when Mr Parry returned home later that day, he found Claire was intoxicated and she'd self-harmed by cutting herself on her legs. Mr Parry decided that he wanted to try to save the marriage and the couple decided to go through marriage counselling. Mr Parry contacted Bremer and said that if he did not stop seeing Claire, he would tell his wife, Bremer's wife, about the affair. Bremer apologised to him for carrying on the affair with his wife. However, Mr Parry still suspected that the couple of continuing their affair, and Claire kept lying to her husband, who had downloaded an app on his daughter's phone and put it in his wife's car. This tracked Claire Parry's movements, which confirmed his suspicions. Parry sent a message to his wife saying, Don't bother coming home tonight, and tell Tim I'll be in contact. Claire did come home to find out she'd been locked out. She caused a scene outside the house and threatened to call the police. Mr Parry let her in, but he decided that he was probably going to have to end his marriage. The Parrys kept going to counselling sessions. The last session was on May the 7th, 2020. Andrew Parry had gone to the last counselling. They were only living together because of the lockdown, the coronavirus lockdown, and it seemed that Andrew Parry wanted to end the marriage. During the sessions, Mr Parry felt that Claire had not been totally honest, and she was quick to state how he annoyed her, so it seemed that the counselling had not been that successful. Mr Parry was not sleeping in the same bed as, as his wife, but there seemed to be some rapprochement, and Claire said that she did not want to split up. On the 8th of May, they spent the afternoon with their children at a local park. It seemed that Claire Parry was wanting to stay with her husband, that, as she had recently discovered that Bremer had lied and cheated on her. The affair had broken her marriage, but Bremer's marriage was unaffected, as his wife, Martha, had no idea that he was an adulterer. The next day, 9th of May, Claire was to lose her life. Andrew and Claire, Claire Parry had spoken briefly before he left for work in the morning. The next time Mr Parry saw Claire was at the local hospital where she was gravely ill. She passed away on the 10th of May, 2020. During the court case, a witness was called, a policewoman, a Miss Rhodes, who had had an affair with Bremer after meeting him through work. She said that she quickly fell in love with him and they had a sexual relationship. She found Bremer charming and charismatic, but the relationship finished when she discovered that he was married. It finished in 2012. However, she still found Bremer a temptation. 
Rhodes said that she thought that Bremer had affairs with other emergency service workers. He knew what to say to win their affections. She said that he had a toolbox on how to persuade women to have an affair with him. Rhodes was married in 2015 and said that she went through a bad time and she reached out to speak to Bremer on a couple of occasions, although they did not meet in person. Bremner was pushing for a sexual meet-up. In 2016, Rhodes received a message from Bremer when she was on holiday with her then-husband. Bremner said that she was a dirty bitch and he wanted to meet up with her again. Rhodes said that the message made her feel worthless. In 2020, a Louisa Morgan messaged Miss Rhodes asking about Bremer on Facebook. She said that she had some awkward questions to ask about Bremer. The women discussed Bremer, saying how we groom women and destroy their self-esteem, telling women that they were special. Rhodes said that he broke me and caused me no end of problems at work. It's never a man's fault in our industry, the police force. He promised us a future and talked about an exit strategy from his wife, but then she fell pregnant and that put an end to that. Their relationship came to an end because Ms Rhodes formed a new relationship. Rhodes said that Bremer had a hold over her. Rhodes said that he struggled with the culture she that she struggled with the culture and the police after the relationship. She said that she was the object of a witch hunt. She would have colleagues turn her back on her. She had verbal abuse, and she was a subject of a WhatsApp group that wasn't very nice. Bremer didn't seem to suffer in any way. Louise Morgan said that Bremer had broken her also, but it was cathartic that she could talk about her experiences with someone who understands. Louisa told Rhodes that she knew someone else that Bremner was having an affair with, a Claire Parry, and Louisa had asked Claire to get in touch with Rhodes. Louisa said that she was going to make Bremner suffer, and she thinks his wife needs to know. Claire Parry contacted Rhodes on May the 8th, 2020, at 7pm. Unbeknown to Rhodes, Claire Parry and Louisa Morgan were the same person. These exchanges confirmed Claire Parry's suspicions that there had been previous infidelity with Rhodes and other women that Bremer had told Parry when Bremer had told Parry that she was the only one and she told him that he was the only man that she truly loved. Claire Parry had created a fake Facebook account to look into the background of Bremer and used the account to speak to Rhodes. Claire Parry was determined to expose Rhodes for the lying sheep that he proved to be. She told Rhodes that Bremer was a groomer and hoped he ended, up, he ended up lonely and unhappy. Parry said that she was embarking on a long, slow downfall of Mr. Man Whore Bremer. Rhodes referred to this as Project Downfall. It seems that Parry also sent messages to Bremner's phone, which raged against him in calling him a man whore. The messages could not be checked because during the course of Saturday the 9th of May, Bremner wiped his phone clean and Claire's Parry phone remained locked after her death. 12.15, the 9th of May, 2020. This was the day of Parry's death. Louisa Morgan, Mrs Parry's alias, had sent Rhodes a message saying, I think I'm going to tell Martha the truth. Rhodes said, well, that's brave. In the evening... At 8.56pm, Rhodes messaged Louisa asking if she had told Martha about her husband's affair. But by this point, Mrs Parry had been fatally injured by Bremer after meeting up with him and tricking him into using his phone to send a message to Martha, 
telling her that her husband was a cheat. The next evidence presented to the court came from Martha Bremer. She said that on the 9th of May, Tim Bremer was working the night shift and came home at 7.30am in the morning and went to bed. He was starting six days off and Martha said that she was looking forward to spending some quality family time. There was a socially distanced barbecue planned for that day, the 9th of May, a Saturday. It was the day that the media announced that the singer Little Richard had died. When he got up, Bremer was making excuses to his wife in order to go out and do errands, such as making deliveries to an elderly neighbour, collecting additional food for the barbecue, and collecting some clothes from work. He had already taken the clothes home that he claimed that he was collecting for work, but he transferred them to a Citroen car, using them as an excuse to go out. What Bremner really had to do was to meet up with Claire Parry and try to calm her down and convince her not to tell his wife about the affair. Martha felt that it was not the best time for Bremner to go missing, as he was missing preparations for the barbecue, that they were organising a birthday clap for a neighbour. After Bremner had gone for some time, Martha was getting anxious that her husband had not returned and was going to be late. Bremer had arranged to meet up with Claire Parry at the Horns Inn pub car park. Bremer had called into work at Bournemouth Airport to give himself an alibi in case his wife inquired where he was. It was also claimed that Bremer was buying a length of rope at Screwfix shop so he could show Claire Parry that he intended to kill himself if his wife found out about their affair. The prosecution thought that Bremer thought that he could manipulate Parry into not telling his wife about the affair that they'd been having for a decade. It was thought that he wanted to use emotional blackmail on Claire Parry, saying, I'm going to take my life if you tell my wife. However, it seems that Brenner underestimated the rage that Parry felt over the deceit towards her. Parry had also been referring to him to the police watchdog, reporting him to the taxman for failing to declare a second income that he made from gardening and other odd jobs. Brenner arrived at 2.31pm at the Horns Inn car park. CCTV video shown in court showed a Citroen car arriving. At 2.44pm, Miss, uh, Mrs Parry arrived in the car park in her Ford and pulled alongside Bremner's vehicle. Miss Parry got into the passenger side of Bremner's car. They parked well out of sight of the CCTV cameras. At around the same time, Martha sent her husband a message saying that he needed to be back for 3pm, which was not going to be possible. Bremner was not able to placate Claire Parry. Bremner told the police Miss Parry took his phone from him in the car to look through it to ascertain that he was not seeing anybody else at that time. Bremner had given her his phone so that she could check, out, check it out. But Parry had tricked him and she managed to send Martha a message on the phone saying, I'm cheating on you. Martha said that she received a text from her husband at 2.44pm saying, on my way, fastest speed possible, and that, he, that he'd sent when he saw Parry's car pulling into the car park. Minutes later, she received another message from her husband saying, I'm cheating on you. This was the text sent by Claire Parry. What actually happened in the car park after Parry sent the Martha the text on Bremner's phone is unknown. There's a 20-odd minute, uh, minute gap unaccounted for during which time Parry was fatally injured. All we can be sure of is that during this time, Bremner had wiped his phone to factory settings, so there was no record of any messages that he sent or received. 
A pathologist report said that Claire Parry had died after her neck was compressed with such force and for such a period of time that she had a cardiac arrest. The method of which her neck was compressed left her jaw and neck deeply bruised. Mr Smith, the prosecution barrister, said that this could be an important signpost that Bremner had his arm around her neck and she lowered her jaw in defence and trying to wriggle free of the stranglehold that she was in. Martha was calling her husband as he was killing Claire Parry, but his phone went to voicemail. She then started sending text. At 3.39 she asked him to let her know that he was okay. She said that by now that she was sick with worry. At 3.26pm, 24 minutes after Tim, I'm, after the I'm cheating on you text was sent, CCTV footage shows Bremer walk towards the entrance of the pub car park. What happened during that 24 minutes while Claire Perry was killed is known only to Bremner, who had proved to be untruthful. At 3.26, Bremner sits on the pavement at the entrance of the car park. By this time, Bremner has his knife wounds to his arm caused by a Swiss Army knife. Bremner reportedly told emergency services that he had been stabbed. This suggested that somebody else did it, and he was not being given an open and consistent account. Later, he said that she had stabbed him. Martha eventually got through to Bremner's workplace and was told that there had been an incident, but they could not give any details. Later, an officer came to see Martha at her house and said that her husband had been detained and was at Paul Hospital. Other witnesses were then called during the court case. There was a woman who had heard a violent argument in the car park. That was Then there was the Bartlett family who were out on a bike ride that came on the aftermath of the incident at the Horns Inn car park. Mrs Bartlett said that Bremner was hysterical and making little sense. He did not tell them that a woman was fatally injured in the car nearby. She said that blood was pouring from a wound in his arm and so an ambulance was called. Another person was also helping, a Mr Herridge, who had come over and took over the phone call that Bartlett's were making to the emergency services. Herridge had told them that there was an injured woman, there was blood coming from her mouth and she didn't look a great colour and he thought that she may be dead. Meanwhile, Bremer was having a panic attack. He was dribbling and had a runny nose. Mr Bartlett was trying to calm him down. Bremer asked if the woman was dead. Bartlett asked if she was his partner, to which he was told, no, we've been having an affair for years. She asked me to meet in the car park at 3pm. 3, 3 Bremer said that he'd never seen her so angry, and that she stabbed him. Bremner then told Mr Bartlett, I'm going to prison for a very long time. Meanwhile, Mr Harridge said that Mrs Parry had her upper body hanging out of the vehicle. Her arms were on the ground, her face pointed towards the entrance of the car park, compressed against the ground. Both doors of the car that she was in were open, and she was hanging out of the driver's side of the car. Her eyes were wide open. There were tablets alongside Claire Parry. They were called... Angelo, 40 milligrams. These are a form of beta blocker used to treat heart problems, anxiety, and to prevent migraines as they slow the heart down. A statement from the paramedics was read out in court. Ambulance crews arrived at 3.31 after they were told that there had been a stabbing in a public house car park and that there was an injured male and an unresponsive female at the Horns Inn pub in West Parley, Ferndown. 
When they arrived, they found a man with blood on his clothing, crying in the car park. He had three wounds on the forearm, none actively bleeding. These were dressed. The man was quite hysterical, and his behaviour was, was sobbing. Don't let me die. Then there was a woman, half in, half out of the car. It looked almost as if somebody had fallen asleep, along, leaning on the door, and then the door had just been opened. The emergency crews started chest compressions. Although the crew saw no injuries on the female, they didn't know why she wasn't breathing. The police arrived and asked Bremner what had happened. Bremner told the officer that he can't remember. An officer, a Jonathan Spidden, who arrived at 3.46pm, asked Bremner what caused the injuries. He said she did. Other emergency workers were told that Claire Parry was accused of the stabbing Bremner, who was said to be visibly distressed by all that were present. Bremner was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder. He kept saying that he was going to lose his son, who would want nothing to do with him now. And what's my mother going to say? He was taken to Weymouth Custody Suite and was told that Claire Parry had died and that he was now being arrested for murder. Bremer was on remand at Exeter Prison. He was classed as a vulnerable prisoner and kept in B-Wing for his own protection. Bremer would serve prisoners their meals and do painting on the wing. About 4pm on July the 3rd, Bremner was doing a shadow board in a cupboard, a task to enable prison officers to determine if and what tool had gone missing. Bremner got in conversation with a prison officer, telling him about his life, that he lost his house, his job, his car, and someone else that he loved. Bremner said that he used to be a policeman, a traffic officer, and then went to work on helicopters, and he said it was brilliant. He said then he lost everything after an affair that he'd been having for years, and it went wrong. His lover was going to tell his wife about the affair, and Bremner felt that it would be more appropriate if he told his wife, and that started a struggle between them. Bremner admitted that he had prevented Claire Parry from leaving the car. He put his arm around her neck. He said that during the process he accidentally broke a bone in her neck. The prison officer was called Centreford, and he was 100% sure that Bremner said that he was trying to keep Claire in the car. When pushed on this point by the defence later in the trial, he was absolutely certain that Claire was being kept in the car. Bremer had claimed to the police that he was trying to get her out of the car so he could go and kill himself. But this evidence showed that he was keeping her in the car to harm her for telling his wife that he had been an unfaithful husband. Mr Stenterford, the prison warder, told Bremer that he was surprised that he would put his arm around her neck because being police officer, uh, being a police officer, because as a prison officer, they are trained not to do that during a restraint. He continued that he would not put his arm around a prisoner's throat if being attacked. Mr. Centreford reported to a superior officer the conversation that he'd had that lasted about eight minutes, and she informed him to fill out an intelligence report. Michael Wheelhouse was called as a witness to court. He was an experienced forensic scientist who completed two reports which suggested that Bremner stabbed his left arm while sitting in the driver's seat. Mrs. Parry was in the passenger seat, and he sat there for some time, blood staining the seat and then pulling in the rear of the footwell. During this time, Mrs. Parry became unconscious, although Wheelhouse couldn't draw any definitive conclusions. The next witness was Amanda Jeffrey, a forensic pathologist, 
who confirmed that there were fracturing on the left side of the hyoid bone in the neck. The severe neck injuries would require significant force to the neck. There were hemorrhages on the face suggesting that she would be held uh, with sustained pressure to the neck. Claire had died from what was known as hypoxic isochemic brain injury, the deprivation of blood to the brain. It was clear that Claire had been strangled, although this was never actually stated in court. There were six fractures to her ribs, these being consistent with repeated efforts at CPR. There were traces of drugs in Claire's blood, but these were safe levels consistent with therapeutic use. These were related to anxiety and allergies. There were no drugs that contributed to the cause of death. The next witness on day five of the trial was a Sophie Millington. She was a mobile device examiner, mobile phone expert. Millington attempted an iCloud extraction. However, she could not recover any messages, including any from WhatsApp and another application that they used called Telegram. Millington said that she was using software trying to get the pin for Claire Parry's phone. The software tests different pin codes and it can take days, months or even years. The phone is in the lab at the moment and is still running. The application, it's been running since August 2020. We have still not yet uh, got the pin code. The software says that it should take about 19 years to get the code. That would be in 2039. The police force also hindered by not being able to obtain data from Mrs. Parry's Apple smartwatch, which they did not know the four-digit code so they could not use its date, data to, to suggest that Mrs. Perry, when Mrs. Perry's heart stopped beating. Uh, Sophie Millington said that Bremner's phone was factory reset at May the 9th at 3.05pm. This means that no information could be extracted from the phone. Bremner wiped his phone straight after killing Claire Parry. Then Bremner's statements were read out in court. He said that he did not intend to hurt her. He'd been searching, he'd been seeing each other on and off for 11 years. He said, I can't say that I loved her, but I definitely cared for her. Regarding a meeting that he'd had with Parry in the car park, he said, I don't remember the exact conversation, but she said that she wanted my phone because earlier that morning she passively aggressively threatened me that she wanted access to my social media because she wanted to know about my perfect life. But she was breaking an unwritten rule that we didn't ask about other people. After I gave her my phone that she should scroll through, she kept asking, kept making vindictive remarks. I took out the knife and wanted to show how desperate I was. I stabbed myself in the arm. I really wanted to kill myself, but she showed no compassion at all. I got out of the driver's door. All I wanted to do was pull her out of the car so I could get in and kill myself. I was not able to buy rope so I thought I was going to get some wire from a fence or drive into a tree or something in order to kill myself. I tried to pull her by the arm, but she's quite strong, and I was bleeding so much, I didn't have the strength to pull her out of the car, so I thought maybe I could push her out. I was trying so hard to get her out, I had no intention of harming her. Bremner said that he bundled her. He bundled in to push her out. He said that he had arm, her, his arm around the top of her chest, but it must have slipped up in the melee, which resulted in Miss Parry dying of a brain injury due to compression to the neck. Mrs Parry was 5 foot 9 inches and weighed 14 stone. 
Bremner was six foot and weighed just under 14 stone. Both he and Miss Parry were both gym fanatics, although they went to different gyms. They were both very fit. Bremner continued that he was bleeding so much, he was scared. He said it was like self-preservation. So I just ran into the road. There were people on bikes. I was just saying, please help me, please help me, please help me. The morning of the sixth day of the trial was spent by Bremner giving complicated explanation of what actually happened in the car when Claire Parry died. Bremner described it as positional asphyxia, which meant, means that a person is unable to breathe due to the position of the body. This is exactly what happened to George Floyd in America, which caused the Black Lives Matter protests. Floyd died of positional asphyxia in the same month as Claire Parry died in May 2020. The court heard how Bremner attended a training course at work, which included a positional asphyxia session. In 2016, he attended another course which looked at airway control. This indicated that Bremner was well informed on the subject of positional asphyxia, implying that he could have used his knowledge to construct a defence after he lost his temper and killed Parry. Bremner was asked by DC Burley in the interview to account for the 23 minutes from the text sent to Martha Bremner to the defendant walking to the entrance of the car park. Bremner replied that he didn't have any concept of time. He put his phone on factory settings, but he doesn't remember anything else. Bremner told the court that you need to understand the background. Back in February, that's when Andy Parry found out that his wife was having an affair with me. I don't know how he found out. I spoke to Andy Parry twice, I think on the phone. I gave him very limited information, and it all went away. They were going to stay together. Claire told me it was Andy's decision some weeks after that he was going to leave her. That's when things changed between me and Claire. Claire Parry complained to the police about Bremner. She told about the job in hand, the cash in hand. The defendant wasn't aware of Miss Parry's complaint about, uh, about this. He said he was only earning about £100 a week, which he called adventure money. It seemed that Parry was determined to get Bremner in trouble. She informed his employers and she informed the tax office. Bremner told the court about his police career. And said in 2020 he became a family sorry in 2010 he became a family liaison officer and received a commendation in 2011 from the chief of the fire service for saving a family in a burning house in Christchurch. Bremner denied being a groomer of women and said that all the affairs that he embarked on were described as 50-50. Bremner admitted that he caused Claire's death but he said it was not intentional. Between March and May 2020 during the Covid lockdown, Bremner said that he saw Mrs Parry about a dozen times at most. Sometimes we'd meet up for a dog walk, or I might meet her on the way to work. During this time, Andy Parry was wanting to leave his wife, but they were staying together as a result of the coronavirus restrictions. Leading up to the incident, Bremner said he talked to Parry on the phone on the 5th and 6th of May 2020, and he went for sex at Claire Parry's house on the 6th of May. There was nothing unusual about her behaviour. It was that evening that unbeknown to Bremner that Parry had gone in contact with Rhodes to plot the downfall of him, Bremner. Bremner claims that he next spoke to Parry on the 7th of May, when everything seemed to have changed. She seemed more jealous, more insecure. All the messages, they were accusing him. Things like, you're cheating on me. There were thousands of them. It became relentless with her phoning. 
also the next day with accusations. Parry insisted on meeting up on the 9th of May after being on the phone with Bremner during that morning when his wife thought he was sleeping after completing the night shift. They agreed to meet at the Horns Inn. She said 3pm. I asked her to make it a different time. She said no. At that time I found out we were doing a birthday clap for my next door neighbour. For my birthday in April, we both had a good infrastructure of family and friends in the neighbourhood at Silver Street Hordle. They all came out and played the guitar for my birthday, and the plan was to do the same thing for my neighbour. Bremner continued that after getting out of bed at around 10.30am, he said absolute turmoil was going through his head. I made the decision to end my life. I'd be doing some research on the internet. What was the best way to end your life? Whenever you Google it, it just gives you the Samaritans. It doesn't give you the answers. And this isn't actually true, because I, I Googled it, and it gave lots of helpful suggestions about killing yourself, including the least pain, painful me methods. Anyhow, Bremner went to a meet with Parry at Horn's car park. He felt that she was so angry when she arrived. She drove in very fast, parking next to him. Then she got out of her car, slammed the door, in threw a packet of pills at me, the beta blockers. They're meant to stop you getting anxiety, she said. You might want to take some of these. I thought it was because she was angry with me. I didn't know about her communication with Kate Rhodes. I knew they'd been talking, but I didn't know about all the communications. Claire then sent a message to my wife. It said, I'm cheating on you, or something like that. The message sent when Bremner took his phone off aeroplane mode. Martha phoned and Bremner dis dis declined it and put the phone back on air airplane mode. He then stabbed himself in the arm three times with this Swiss army knife to show how desperate he was that Mrs Parry didn't care. I don't think Claire even saw the knife. The reason in my brain, rationally or irrationally, I wanted to show how desperate I was. I was also totally out of control. Bremner said that he wanted Claire out of the car and he struggled to get her out, or as he described it in court, it was just a big kerfuffle. He accepted that the pushing and shoving wouldn't account for 20 minutes, but his conversation with Mrs Parry continued after he did the factory reset on his phone so nobody could find him after he killed himself. He claimed that he didn't have a concept, didn't have any concept of time. Then Bremner was cross-examined by the prosecution. They said that Bremner was a well-practiced liar, because he kept his affair from his wife for ten years. The prosecution probed discrepancies in Bremner's defence. For example, if Claire Parry was refusing to leave the car, when Bremner got out of the car to try to get her out of the passenger door, why didn't she just lock the door? The prosecution pointed out that as he was a police officer, he knew how the system worked and how best to appear innocent. Bremner had worked out the traits of defendants, he knew how people reacted to accusations. The prosecution argued that after 17 years in the police force, Bremner would have experienced someone to say how to say something at an incident and then change the story later on. Bremner said, yes, you do see how people react and it's almost human nature to minimise responsibility. Mr Smith, the prosecution barrister, said that the two fundamental things that Bremner had told the jury that he was trying to get Mrs Parry out of the car and he did not deliberately take the life of Mrs Parry, and he did not take her around the neck. Mr Centreford, the prison warder, said that Bremner had confessed to 
told the court that Bremner had told him that Mrs Perry was trying to get out of the car and the defendant took her round the neck. Would you agree with me your version and that version were totally different, Mr Smith asked Bremner. Argued, Mr Bremner argued that the prison warder, Mr Centreford, had lied when giving his evidence. Bremner confirmed that the affair being laid out to his wife would be catastrophic. Bremner said that he hadn't spoken to his wife since the day that the incident happened. Smith said that you said you wanted to commit suicide. Does this mean that you wanted to have your own wife and son have a visit from someone to say your father and husband has killed himself? Bremner replied, I didn't think that. It wasn't rational thinking. Mr Smith said, was it emotional blackmail you telling Miss Parry that you were going to kill yourself if she told your wife about the affair? Bremner denied this. Mr Smith asked Bremner if he tried to make the way he took Mrs Parry's life to be positional asphyxia rather than strangling her to death. The defendant denied this. Mr Smith deconstructing Bremner's account of the struggle, he claimed to have with Claire in the car, said it was just chaos. Mr Smith said it was all lies, isn't it, Mr Bremner? Mr Smith asked if it was remotely true Bremner thought Miss Parry was having a rest when he left the car fatally injured, when he had left the car leaving her fatally injured. Mr Smith asked, is that the best you can come up with? It's unbelievable. The whole thing is so surreal, Bremner said in reply. Smith said that the fact of the matter is you struggled with Claire fatally in the car because you were so enraged at what she had done. That's the truth, isn't it? You have lied and tried to cover up the fact what you've done and cowardly use your... You can't admit the truth. On Friday, October the 23rd, at the trial at Salisbury Crown Court, was drawing to a close, and the final speeches by barristers are to be given, which will probably last all day. The judges summing up will probably be on Monday the 26th of October. The best time to attend a court is for the opening summary the first day, or at closing speeches. The best is always the judges summing up. Judge Jacobs is overseeing this trial. I'll try and summarise the closing speeches so as not to repeat too much information already given. The prosecution argued that after all the positive character testimonies, uh, that the character is a matter of opinion, that there were two sides to Bremner's character. He put forward one side of his character but hid the other side. The prosecution said that this was the man who was hoping to make things better, even if it required emotional blackmail, and he could be back as, uh, as soon as he possibly could for the family barbecue. The Claire Parry that turned up to meet him in the car park wasn't the compliant woman that he'd had an affair with for ten years. Her life was unravelling and she wanted to take Bremner down with her. Why should his marriage remain intact whilst hers was in ruins? She had plans for later on that day, the day that she died. She was going on to work, then she was going to have drinks with friends afterwards. But she was so badly injured by Bremner that she never recovered after what Bremner called a rough and tumble that caused three fractures. Caused Claire to be unconscious with her eyes eyed open and her body black and blue. Mr Smith of the prosecution said that we have two people at the murder scene. There's two people who can tell you what happened. One of them is dead, so you're left with Bremner and he lies. Then for the next few minutes the microphone linked from the court was... Uh, which was necessary to hear the proceedings failed, so it was not known what was said. 
Screens had been put up to prevent coronavirus infection, so nothing was heard in the public gallery at this point. Could this technicality be the trial, make the trial void, as everything has to be open to the public? Anyhow, the prosecution argued that Bremner was tired after a night shift while Claire Parry was sending texts relentlessly. He's tired, he's angry, and in that rage, in the moment, it, he takes hold of her and strangles her, as he can't let Martha, who he describes as five foot one of ferociousness, find out about his affairs. The prosecution then talked about Claire Parry's injuries, bruising both sides of the neck, consistent with strangulation. And when somebody has their neck held in that defensive mode, you put your chin down and it bruises. It could be pure coincidence. Maybe the bruising came from an unidentified actions. But a disappointing coincidence for Tim Bremner. He said that the injuries came from him slipping up in the melee in causing injuries that were not otherwise explained. The prison warden, Mr Centreford's evidence, proved problematic for Bremner. He was caught out because this was an unguarded moment. He didn't think for a minute that it would end up at his trial. Bremner said that Mr Centreford was making up lies. But what a very odd thing to do. To add, when Bremner said, I didn't mean to hurt her. Mr Smith added here, when you're weighing up who's a liar here, please remember whether you think it's important. Timothy Bremner is a well-practiced liar. For example, Bremner states, starts to say that she stabbed him because it gives him a shield. And until, of course, that night, he works out he's not going to get away with it. He says, I think I stabbed myself. Let's try something else. These were the actions of a well-practiced liar. The prosecution made the point that Bremner is a hero. He goes into building burnings and saves people. A policeman that's done countless first aid courses. What part of Timothy Bremner would leave her, Claire Parry, without a single look? But says, I thought she was having a breath. He wants to say, I didn't really look at her because if I did, her eyes opened, there's blood in her mouth, and her motionless with her head on the tarmac because he strangled her. The prosecution asks, if you are to acquit this man of murder, then you're going to accept that she was taking a breath at the side of a car. Are you going to be fooled by that? Then when someone says, I think she's dead, do you not, not think that he might say, Oh my gosh, what do you mean dead? Let me go and see her. I can do CPR. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't respond. He doesn't say a word. Instead, he maintains that Claire Parry stabbed him. The prosecution argued that if Bremner replied the amount of force, significant force resulting in severe injuries, for at least 10 seconds, what else can you have intended than at least a really serious injury, if not death? Bremner lost control. He took the life of his lover in a rage. Bremner failed himself, showering misery on all manner of people. He described himself as a coward. One of the few things he got right because at 3.30 that afternoon, he didn't have the courage to own up to the fact that he murdered Claire Parry. The court then broke for lunch as Miss Martin for the defence addressed the jury. Miss Martin argued that if he intended to kill her, there would be easier ways that he could have done it. Then she used the usual defence, saying that if there's any doubt whatsoever, then the defendant has to be found not guilty. If you're not sure what happened then you will find him not guilty. It's only if you are sure that Timothy Bremner had lied 
and had deliberately taken Claire Perry by the neck, then you will look at the issue of whether it's, it's explicable or loss of control. So, one, they had to have absolutely no doubt that Parry took her around the neck and strangled her. And then after that, it might have just been loss of control. Another get-out clause. Miss Martin said, I don't know, members of the jury, if you or anyone that you have ever known has been in a state of emotional turmoil. You can't quit thinking, you can't stop thinking irrationally. Then she said that Claire Parry was lashing out whenever she could, trying to blame someone other than herself for what was going wrong in her life. And it seemed that she made the decision to take Timothy Brenner down with her. So Miss Martin was arguing that the Crown needed to prove that Bremner had intended to cause Claire Parry's serious harm. They also needed to make sure that he didn't that he didn't lose control, and that he deliberately put her arm around her neck, and deliberately strangled Claire Parry to death. Miss Miss Martin then said that Timothy Bremner lied about the affair. Ergo, he cannot be trusted. Ergo, he must be a murderer. Miss Martin then argued that Scott Centreford, the prison warden, had taken things out of context and his evidence should be ignored. He did not make his notes as reasonably practical, e.g. within four days. When defending Bremner, Martin argued why would he want to keep Miss Parry in the car after she told his wife? Why do people lose it at certain times? Miss Martin argued that the actual crime scene was compromised. With all the trampling, or alternative, the struggle for life, there was clear p- potential for blood and other signs to get lost. Richard Jacobs, the judge, gave his summing up of the case on Monday the 26th of October. He said that all the things a judge says when summing up a case. He said that Brenner admitted that he was responsible for causing Claire Parry's death, but argues that it was manslaughter, as it was accidental. The prosecution argues that death was murder, but not premeditated. The judge made the point that Bremner knew that Claire may have been killed by, as his comments such as Claire Parry having stabbed him and the comments that he made about going to prison for a long time made to the emergency services treating him indicated this. The judge then highlighted how the pathologist found it difficult to envisage how a struggle in the car would result in the injuries he saw in Claire Parry. There are also features typically seen with positional asphyxiation at a fence that Bremner was relying upon. But he, there was no features typically seen as positional asphyxiation. The forensic evidence wasn't any real help because it didn't rule out any scenarios. The defence seemed to think that this evidence was helpful because it was consistent with Bremner's account but they failed to point out that it was also consistent with the prosecution's account. The judge went through other evidence in an even-handed way, telling the jury that they had to decide if there was enough evidence to find Bremner guilty of murder. The jury had lost one of their number, who had been discharged because of the impact the trial was having on her mental health. The judge said that the jury had to be sure that Bremner intended to kill or cause serious harm, declared Parry. There has to be intention... If the jury decided that Bremner did intend to cause serious harm, then they had to consider loss of control. What was the trigger for Bremner to lose control? In this case, it may have been the text that Claire Parry sent to his wife. Was this a serious wrong? 
would someone with a normal degree of tolerance react in the way that Bremner did? Well, the jury has to make up his mind if it's murder or manslaughter. Was Bremner, a narcissistic controlling male, who groomed women to have serial affairs and snapped when he lost control over a woman he had conducted an affair with for ten years and then killed her in a rage? Or was the struggle in the car between two very fit and healthy specimens in the prime of their lives and the angry woman was accidentally killed by the desperate male? Well, on Tuesday the 27th of October, the jury found Bremner not guilty of murder and the judge said that he would consider the sentence overnight as he had entered a guilty plea for manslaughter before the trial started. On Wednesday the 28th, the judge addressed the court regarding the sentence for Bremner. The judge said that it was clear that Claire Parry had had enough of Bremner and he had taken her life deliberately, had taken her deliberately by the neck. The judge continued that when the Bartlett family arrived on the scene, you asked them to call an ambulance for you because you knew that Claire Parry was beyond help, that you, an experienced police officer, had done nothing to help her. You knew that you'd killed her. You were crying because you appreciated the enormity of what you had done, the impact that it would have on you. You said that when waiting to be taken to the hospital, that you were going to prison for a long time because you knew few full well of what you'd done. You expressed no surprise when Mrs Bartlett said that the woman in the car appeared to be dead. The judge said that the criteria of the trigger of being seriously wronged, a crime of passion, was only just met. At the scene, you blamed Claire for stabbing you, such lies being very serious for a serving police officer. Although you did not persist in the lie, it is an aggravating factor. Taking account of the aggravating and mitigating factors, the sentence is going to be 12 years and 6 months. Because you pleaded guilty, the sentence was reduced by 15%. So Bremner was sentenced for 10 years and 6 months. Two-thirds would be spent in custody and the rest on licence. Reading between the lines, it seemed that the judge thought that Bremner was guilty of murder and that the jury had come to the wrong conclusion. Martha Brimner declined request to comment on her husband's case. The last time she spoke to her husband was on the 9th of May 1920, when he told her he was, to, uh, where he was going to buy some estates for the barbecue. She and her young son, being other innocent victims of Brimner's actions. Mr Andrew Parry condemned Bremner for putting their family through the public humiliation of a trial. Hearing Bremner tell lies in court and watch his crocodile tears, showing no remorse for the crime he committed. Mr Parry also commented that all of his wife's shortfalls were publicly displayed, while all of her good qualities and deeds were overlooked, except by the judge in his summing up. Mr Parry also talked of the health implications for him, the loss of income from his wife, and how that had an impact on their two children, an eight-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. Mr Parry also talked of the horror at the police colleagues carrying out an investigation at his home, which was a crime scene, and examining the intimate details of his life with Claire, his wife. Uh, last month, in September 2020, Brenner was dismissed without notice from the Dorset Police, following a disciplinary action. Chief Constable James Vaughan said that 
that as police officers are our duty first and foremost, it is to protect the public and for a serving officer to take the life of another in this way is incomprehensible. His conduct fell dramatically below which I and his colleagues and the public expect from a police officer. He has clearly no place holding the office of constable. One of Bremner's colleagues, who wanted to remain anonymous, said that Dorset Police is a small force and everyone knows everyone. Tim had this reputation of a serial womaniser. Tim was well-spoken and often mocked by his colleagues because of it, but he used it to his advantage when it came to chatting up women. He could lay on the charm and was pretty well liked by his colleagues, and that coupled with the fact that he was good as jobbed, helped hide the multitude of sins. Bosses turned a blind eye to his fling with DC Rhodes in 2011. He was said to be a serial or a proper sexual predator who targeted mainly vulnerable women who he worked with both in the police force and in the other emergency services. I personally know at least one officer who had a drunken kiss and fumble with. She had just spit up from someone at the time and he wormed his way into her affections. It was all just a lie as he was a married man at the time. Well, I rushed through that one a bit. It, uh, I wanted it out today, the day that the case actually finished and uh, Bremner was sentenced. Uh, I'm off out. Uh, I'm away now for a few days, so I wanted it out now. Um, I'm going to put out another episode at the weekend for Halloween. That's booked in. So there might be some confusion because although I've said that this is episode... I said this is episode 11, um, it will come before episode 10, which is the final episode for Halloween. So until next time, I'd like to say thank you for listening and downloading. Thank you for Damselfly for providing the background music. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you. Bye.